I figured since the hiatus for the A show was over that I should probably bring back by the numbers as well. Uh, welcome to the continuation of season three of by the numbers here on CKCC radio referee, Matt Durline hanging out with you here on a Monday morning. And the last time you heard me in this show, at least I was interviewing Bo Dakota and that was a lot of fun because Bo is a really good dude. And joining me here today is another really good dude Jason Furious. Furious, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Bo Nakota is a really good dude. Like he really said. is. And he is part of the True Wrestling Show coming up this Saturday night at the oh, yeah. Salvation Army in Berwick, the True Era. And you have a really big match this Saturday night with The Whisper. Yeah, I love working with Whisper. And I've been killing myself with my cardio so i'm gonna be coming at him i mean wrestling the whisper you're gonna need it (laughs) uh he'll be looking to avenge a a loss at the last true wrestling show he took on gordy palco and he uh came up on the short end of the stick in that one so he's gonna have a renewed purpose but we'll get to that later when we talk about the plugs for those of you who are not familiar with this show first and foremost welcome What I do here is I have a book where I have written down every single match that I have ever refed. And the purpose of this show is I bring on the wrestlers whose matches I've refed, and we talk about those matches. Before we get to those matches, uh, just take a moment to introduce yourself, Furious. Let the listeners know who you are, where you come from, uh, your wrestling background, all that stuff. Hi, I'm Jason Furious. I uh, started training in uh, Southern California in 2004. Um, I started wrestling as the kid with two Ds. I thought that was the coolest name ever. And then when I moved back <laughs> east, it was so original. Uh, and when I moved back east, I started uh, doing local shows around here. And I've been fortunate enough to work the great companies in our valley. GSW, we were just talking about before we came on. And now with True. And that's pretty much it me. Oh, I die like twelve times each match. Yeah. Um for that's a little peek be- little peek behind the curtain. Uh when Furious and I are in the ring together, I am pretty constant pretty much every thirty seconds or so being like, Hey dude, you cool? <laughs> He's like, Yeah, I'm fine. Why do you need a drop toe hold? <laughs> yeah, but you didn't take have to take the drop toe hold on your forehead. I mean, I, we can disagree. <laughs> <laughs> and to to give some color to this, the first time I met Jason Furious, it was like 2011, maybe 2010, and I was working a show in a really sketchy auto auction barn outside of Williamsport, and so was Jason Furious. And on this night at the sketchy auto auction barn... I believe you were wrestling your 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 brother, right? Like your shoot brother. Yes. And I can't remember who was on the receiving end of this, but one of you went through the rear windshield of a car. Oh, that was that was actually he and I against uh, the best around uh, Bruce Maxwell and Arbo. Okay, Arbo we wasn't had... the best around, wasn't he? I forgot about that. Yeah. And then he switched out with TJ. But, yeah, what it was him and Arbo for that show. And, yeah, he 
Bruce put uh he put Will through the car. <laughs> we drove that car home. I was just about to say, if I remember the story correctly, you guys actually drove that car with no rear windshield all the way home. Yeah, that was terrible. For we actually drove it like that for like a couple weeks. <laughs> Listen, when you got a car and you've you've made the poor decision <laughs> to to bust out the rear windshield via suplex on purpose, sometimes well, you just kind of got. Or was it a back body drop? Either way. Uh, we didn't expect the back window to just explode out like that, though. You know, hindsight. I just remember being outside that building, and it was myself, and I think Brad DeMeo and Mike Vaughn, and we're just like, who the fuck are these guys, and what are they doing? And I got my first taste of that, personally, in ring with you, in match number 555 in my book, we're at highly competitive wrestling in Hazleton, Pennsylvania, one of the coolest venues I've ever worked in, the J.J. Farrar Art Center. Agreed. I wish we could go back. So do I. And on this night, being November 26, 2011, you're in a three-way dance. It's you, A.J. Evers, and Tony Deppin. That's, uh, that match, I remember that match really well because... First of all, working with Tony, you have to, like, Tony makes you work. And A.J. Evers, like, he's the nicest guy in the neighborhood who always beats the crap out of me. I almost cussed. <laughs> <laughs> he beats me up so bad every time I'm with him. I love it, and I'm always down for it. But, man, for somebody to be called the nicest guy in the neighborhood. Well, now he's Mr. Sunday Afternoon. Oh, yeah. At, at, at the Sanctuary. Doling out choke slams. Yep, um, but not paydays. <laughs> so uh, I remember this match for one thing. It was the first time I had worked with you. Obviously, I'm pretty sure the first time I worked with Devin. I've worked with AJ a million billion times before this, and I remember you called. I'm gonna dive, but no one catch me. And to add some um, background to this, the floor of the JJ for our art center where the ring was set up. It's just wood, just wood, pretty solid wood at that. And, uh, furious goes over the top, somersault plancha to the floor. No one catches them. Flat back. Oh, that (laughs) sound. Ugh. Ugh. That was so gross. It was, (laughs) but it was like a low boy. So it was like taking a back body drop on the floor. Regardless, I still remember being in the ring like, the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> I I still don't know, but I always liked that spot. I just always thought it was so cool when someone, like, especially the obnoxious over-the-top heel gets, like, that whole head of steam and then no one's there for him and he just, that. Yeah, uh, the, the nasty plunge, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> and it, I'm, I'm sure it sucked. I'm sure you didn't enjoy it. When you landed. No, yeah, it was terrible. But, I mean, I just remember being in the ring and thinking, what is this guy doing? That, and I think I remember you calling it and me thinking to myself, he's not really going to do this. No way. There's no way he's going to do this. Little did I know I don't that think, I shouldn't have questioned you on that. I don't think they thought I was going to do it either. <laughs> they thought I was going to roll or something. Yeah, oh no, you didn't roll. Uh, that noise that will be forever embedded in my brain was not you rolling. And oh. 
Hazleton, we had a really good time in this venue and had some really good shows. And yeah. then we, we were there like every other month or so. So now we're back after the holidays, getting back into the swing of things. Match number 569, we're in Hazleton for highly competitive wrestling, February 18th, 2012. And you were taking on Andy Hedder. I'm pretty sure he had the big orange belt at this point. Yeah, is this the one where I take it from him or where I'm giving it back to him? I I know the big orange belt was involved. For those not familiar, the ICWF Northeast title, it was called? Yep. Was this giant orange thing. (laughs) Yeah, it was. And... This is no disrespect to HCW, no disrespect to Dave Ola, who I miss dearly, but this thing was something else. <laughs> it was barely not a yarder belt. I, but you're right. You and Heather did feud over this yep. belt briefly. Yes, we. Well, we did a thing where so I cheated and took it, and then he had to spend a year working his way back up. And then, like, at the the next show, it was, like, November Rain 1 and then November Rain 2. We, like, they, like, did it in back-to-back years. And then Kyle and I just spent the whole year cheating our pants off to keep the belt. I mean, it worked. Yeah, no, that, I loved it. It was such a good time. I I love working with Andy Hedder. I was just going to say, working with Andy Hedder is one of the easiest days you will have. Yeah. By and, far. And he's just and he's always wants to do cool things. Like that's that's a big thing that I like is like as like the the heel. I love working in Andy Header because then I can do cool shit and not have people being like, oh, you're doing too much cool stuff as the bad guy. Because when I work Andy he's gonna do cool kicks and drop me on my head so I can do a flip or two. And there's never a shortage of flips when you're in the ring with Jason Furious. <laughs> never. I, I, and, I mean, I'm not knocking that. that that's <laughs> what you do, and you do it well. Thank you. You're welcome. Slightly oh. different from that Andy Hatter match, though. We are back in Hazleton. This is the last time. No, it's not. Wow. We were there quite a bit longer, so I take that back. Yeah. <laughs> it is now August of 2012. We have a little bit of a gap here. Not as big of a gap as we're going to have later between some of these matches. But we are back at Hazleton, and now it's August 4th, 2012. Match number 602 in the book, and you are wrestling Cross Van Tassel. Our friend Nate, Nate's a real good dude, and Nate is also another typically easy day at the office. Nate and I are like oil and water when we would wrestle. Like, when, whenever Nate and I would try to put together a match, there wasn't somebody that I could disagree with more. <laughs> I love Nate now, and I always take, like, I always listen to his advice. Even then, I still, like, knew where he was coming from and liked what he was saying. But, boy, Crass and I, we always had, like, just the hardest time getting together with what we needed to do. Because I think we are so much alike in certain ways, and then, like, when you have that disagreement, when two people are so much alike, it just grinds. I mean, you did your thing. You got the job done out there, and you went out and you oh, had yo, your match. Oh, yeah, we had a great time. Because I, it's funny because I feel like it actually kind of made it better. 
Oh, what, and, just having those disagreements and having to work through them? Yeah, and working with the strong-willed guy, like, yeah, I think we both got, like, we what we wanted, and then it, it made a better story. And, honestly, in the wrestling business, that's a good thing to have sometimes, because that kind of challenges you. Yeah, I agree. Because now you got to figure out what you're going to do in this match, and you're trying to put things together, and it's just not clicking. And see, I never obviously had that issue with Nate, but I never called the match with Nate either. I'm a ref. Yeah. <laughs> but any match that I've called um, has been very simple and called weeks in advance and has been at backbreakers, and that is it. <laughs> and happened once. A lot, of, it's, and that's funny because a lot of these matches that I'd have with Nate and um, and Rick, where a lot of times they're like, "All right, you guys are up in ten. This is what we want. We have a general idea for your finish. All right, go have a good one." So they would think that you wouldn't need the guidance, but in reality, you're like, "Someone please agent the shit out of this, please." Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> get Sean. But that's okay, and we're gonna get to more with Nate and Rick in a little bit here because you. Now, and you mentioned Kyle earlier, form a tag team called Hollywood's Finest. They had a couple different names. Tell me, when you finally settled on Hollywood's Finest, where did that name come from? So, I it was pretty much just because I was trained right outside of L.A. when I first started wrestling. And uh, my brother was a huge Lakers fan. And we uh, decided that it, we couldn't call ourselves the Acts of God anymore. We thought that was a little unbookable, so we decided to find something else. <laughs> I can't imagine why you'd say that. The Salvation Armies would always have weird looks for us. Yeah, I, I could see why they wouldn't be very happy with that. Something young kids thought sounded awesome. So Kyle, who we've now mentioned a couple times by his shoot name, wrestled as Nick Hammer. Hamor. Yeah, Hamor. Ham Hamor. <laughs> H-A-M-M-O-R-E. It's Hamor time. Kyle was a real good dude, and you guys complimented each other very well as the big guy, little guy tag team. Thank you. So we've got a number of matches here, and let, let's touch on a couple of them, because it spans... Well, let's try to do this match by match, because there's some Hollywood's Finest and then you and Singles kind of mixed together here. Yeah. So the first time we worked together with you as Hollywood's Finest, we are at the New Era Wrestling Federation. We are in Schoolkill Haven, Pennsylvania, so not too far away from here. Much closer for you, I believe, correct? No, I think... Oh, no, you're in, like, they're, central they're about, Pennsylvania, I was going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm, like, right below Williamsport. Okay. So those two are actually really similarly distanced from me in different ways. Okay. Until I get to, like, Wilkes-Barre, that's far. And see, Wilkes-Barre is, like, ten minutes away. Like, when the True Mill existed, I, um, I could drive to the True Mill in ten minutes. And oh, I no man. longer can. I because wish. Because it's no longer there. I would have lived there. It, it was a great venue for a lot of reasons. One of them was the fact that I'd be home from shows by 10.30 at night. Oh, that's amazing. Granted, the shows would be done by then. <laughs> but... We're in we're in Schoolkill Haven, and Noof was pretty hot at times. Yeah. This particular evening, it's match 604 in the book. 
August 25th, 2012, you and Kyle are taking on Mike Marvel and the big gun Mac Robo. Was that, I feel like we had, uh, two other people were like kind of involved. Like I feel like Mark, Mike Marvel and, and Chio were involved. So, and Marvel, Marvel was on the other team, obviously, and, and Dave Macrobo was his partner. Yep. Interestingly enough, at the following new show that we worked together, October 27th, 2012, now Marvel is on your team in a six-man tag in match 625, okay. and it's you, Kyle, and Marvel against Sean Silence, Macrobo, and Chio Frost. So, so I, I can think, make sense I think of you're it. on to something here. Yes, I can make sense of it now. Thank you. That helped. So the show before that one that you that we first talked about there, we came out and assaulted Mike because we didn't like the way he was running the show. And then the next time we came out to do that tag match, and I'm pretty sure it just turned into a beatdown on Mac Robo with the three of us with Chio making the save. Okay. And then it turned into, he changed our name from Hollywood Spinus to um, the Ultimate Alliance because he was Marvel, you know, Marvel's Ultimate Alliance. Yes. And then we were doing the uh, the bosses doing after that. So I will say it's kind of funny that the gimmick was, you suck at doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so you join him even though you think he sucks. Yeah, we, we thought we were making him better. Fair enough. He he apparently needed the tutelage. Or he had money. <laughs> One of the two. You know, I'm a bad guy. It just takes a couple bucks and I'll hit somebody. Fair enough. So let, let's talk about this time here in Noof. And again, Noof was pretty hot at times. I love that building in Schuylkill Haven. Not very comfortable changing quarters, per se. But I liked the gym and the crowd was always hot for everything. And on so a nice day, the dressing room was cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we didn't have a whole lot of those. And half of the <laughs> locker room was outside the building anyway. Yep. But let's talk about working those noof matches and working with, with Dave Ola and being part of that ultimate alliance with Marvel. So I really liked it. And I really, um, I got to say, I appreciated the uh, what Mike had done for us there because before that, like Kyle and I were joking with the, uh, the, a lot of the younger guys, like uh, Mark Maverick at that time, who was like a buck ten, and Clay Drasher were just coming in, and all them, and like we were joking that we were like the perma mid card, and it was nice for like Mike to be like, all right, here's all these, uh, here's the uh, vets that are at the top of the card, and come on in and put on the shows with them. And really, it was like a push towards the top of the card because. At one point, Silence, maybe at this time, was the new champion. Yeah. Obviously, Chio would always be high up on the card, and Marvel would be up in the top of the card, and Dave would be at the top. So Can I it was say something really funny? Yeah. Well, he's funny to me. So when I first met Chio, and he started planning spots with me, I was like, why is this old guy calling Lucha spots? I was like, there's no way. And then we get in there, and like a half second in, I had to pick up my pace, and then I had to pick it up like two more times, because Chio was coming for me, because he knew I could move, and I severely underestimated him, and he blew me up. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was Chio not, could go. Yeah. No, he, boy, after that, I was always like, you're with us. And then, like, as any chance I could, I had Chio right beside me. 
I, remember, I, I love working with Chio. I remember working shows with Chio in like 2004 or 2005 when we were all uh, first going to EGW. Uh, he was there working as part of the tag team called Reekin Havoc. And he and his partner, I, I, they worked Pin Hat and whoever was the other member of the ring crew when Irish Kev got hurt. I think it was Steve Strasser. Uh, they they did some stuff with them, and like we we got to know Chio way back in the day. So it was really cool when things came full circle, and now we're with Chio all the time at Newf and at GSW. Which coincidentally, we talked about this off the air. We never worked together in GSW. No, even. But that's so you you always were so busy at GSW, like. It's funny because, like, in almost all of my matches where I have pictures from GSW, I can see you in the background talking to, like, three different people or watching the match and, like, doing things. So even though we never, like, had a match together, we were constantly working together. Yeah, behind the scenes, because at one point, Decker and I were booking. Yeah. So we For were... For the new versus GSW? Yes, and... That, I think that was probably the only time we were together in a GSW ring was when I didn't ref the Noof against GSW match. Hey, were you the ref for the dating show? No. <laughs> oh, I could have swore that was for when I said that I shaved my grandma's legs for. Oh, I, you know what that was? That was Okay. <laughs> Getting a little sidetracked, but that's fine. Yes, I'm sorry. No, it's cool. So if I'm remembering correctly, AJ and Pinhat were the fundraisers. Yep. And AJ had turned on Eric and joined the Floyd family. So what we did was we developed this angle for Eric to find a new tag partner. And as a rib on AJ, because... Years prior, we had been in a stable together in EPWE Underground called Camp Evers. Because this was happening in the summer, we called Eric's quest to find a new tag partner Summer Camp Evers. And one of these skits that we ran, which eventually was used to turn Stigma back into Shane Storm, was we did like a a talent show kind of thing or like, you're right. It was like a dating game and glad bad ran it. Yep. He was and like auctioning off pin hat, like a bachelorette. And we were all trying to win him over for a match. And what's really funny is that you were petitioning to be Eric's partner. When you're with already Kyle. part of, when you're already part of a heel tag team and Eric's a baby face. And he was with me. My partner yeah. was there with me. <laughs> We we came out every time he had like another tried to get another partner. We like tried to foil him in his quest every step of the way, just because apparently fucking with or excuse me messing with Pin Hat. No, you can curse. It's cool. Okay, so messing with Pin Hat was apparently the best thing we had to do. That was Kyle and I's thing. <laughs> I remember that was so much fun that we we did all that stuff with Eric and then that was and Juan Jeremy sang like Dolly Parton karaoke during that segment and then what we did was Stigma lost a match and stayed at ringside and he took the note like Pete left the notepad there and Shane Storm or Stigma <laughs> drew a penis 
on the paper. If you go back and listen to the episode with Shane Storm from a couple months ago, we tell this story. <laughs> um, because Glad Bad is supposed to be like, hey, and who is Stigma? Shane Storm. <laughs> but that's not what Shane Storm wrote on the paper. No. He, he drew a penis. <laughs> but I digress. In between this angle with the Ultimate Alliance and Mike Marvel and all of that, we have our one match together at WXWC4. We're in Bloomsburg in the coolest building. Yeah. Which has since burned down. Unfortunate. We are at the Moose Lodge. Was that what it was called? Yeah. It was right on Main Street in Bloomsburg. And you get on in a six-way match, and you are against Lance Anawaii, Shorty Smalls, Tuck Hansen, Ricky Reyes, and Redacted Scumbag. It is match number 610, September 8th, 2012. That match was... So first of all, funny thing from that night, when the wall that separated the fans from the locker room fell, (laughs) and Afa threw a fit oh my gosh that made my day that was one of the funniest things i had ever heard i recently was reminded of that story (laughs) that i forget who i was talking to but i remember being in bloomsburg and the wall just falling down and a bunch of wrestlers in their underwear (laughs) (laughs) i think someone was making their entrance and the curtain was attached to it and they entered the room a little bit too hard that match, uh, first, uh, so the the wall fell, and then I I got to argue with my ref over who sang my theme song. So I would like to say to the people, like, I still, I'm one of those people, I like to view WXW as, like, a good place for eyes. Is like, we were always, like, you know, people talk, like, WXW is really good at putting people in places. And so, like, that's somewhere that's a good place to work. And, like... I was kind of nervous for it. I was still pretty young, and I'm in the sixth way, and I come out, and I'm, like, the first one, so I'm, like, getting people pumped up, and then the ref is going to argue with me about who sings my theme song. I did argue with you, because normally, I don't know the song that you typically came out to in those days. A lot. But you decided to come out to Demure? Was that their name? Demone, yeah. Demone. Yeah, and you were like, is that Paramore? I'm like, no, it's devoted. We're just going back and forth. But I got to be honest with you, that helped me a lot. That broke so much tension for me. I was um, so nervous and in my head, and then having that conversation, like, opened me up so much. Well, I'm glad it could help. And um, to break the fourth wall here, I knew it was Demone the whole time. Oh, you <laughs> jerk. <laughs> hey, I did my job, right? You did. It was something I regularly played on my college radio show back in the day. So I knew that song very well. And that was another match where you got to watch me flat back on the floor out of a dive. Yes. And this time there were five people to not catch you. One yeah. of them being Shorty Smalls, who's huge. And one of them being Ricky Reyes, who is jacked. And one of them being Tuck Hansen, who is Tuck Hansen. Yeah. And it's funny because then when Tuck dive or dove, ew, when Tuck dove, like, they tried to not catch him either, and, like, he landed on just my shoulder, and Tuck's got a big butt, especially compared to my little shoulder. And 
it floored me. And then they were like, hey, we got to catch Redacted Scumbag. And I was like, you guys can get the next one. That's fine. I just rolled away. <laughs> I, I thought the only dive he ever did was his career on Twitter. I'm anyway. Mm-hmm. But it, so, it, it was, was nice to work fun. with Reyes. He was I'm my sorry, trainer. No, that was all I was going to say. Uh, it was He was one of my trainers when I was in California. He was, like, fresh off of Japan, and, like, he spent, like, six months in our school. And that was, like, the first time that I actually got to, like, have an official match with him. So that was cool for me. Is that who got you in that night? No. Rosh actually got me in that night. Okay. Rosh Kosh. And Rosh was on the the show here a few weeks ago. We talked about this night because he wrestled Samu that night. Yeah. And Bloom that is really awesome. close to his house. So, like, it was it was his hometown show. Yeah, I think he got to help with booking. Yeah, I mean, he was on and, the booking committee at that point anyway. And we were training together at the time. There was a, a ring, like, almost directly in between us that we were both going to at the same time. Uh, with It was he, myself, uh, Kyle, and uh, Bruce. Uh, actually, both the best around were going there at the, at the same time. You know, it's funny because I don't think of the best around as local guys because they didn't really do the local circuit around here. No, they're really good at like promoting themselves. That was like one of their their best things that they would they would do. So we move along from WXW and now we skip a little bit because I I don't know why, but <laughs> now it looks like I wasn't working a whole lot of shows at this point because now we go. From six twenty match six twenty five in October to match six fifty eight in March, and you are part of a gauntlet against Clay Drasher on March sixteenth, twenty thirteen, back at HCW in Hazleton. Yay! Oh man, this match was really cool because so there's a redacted POS in this one too. It was a big thing for Clay because he, again, we were having that perma mid-card conversation. And then this was his, like, uh, first taste at having, like, a big story. Because he had to win, I believe, before I came out was Crass that he had to work with. And Crass planned, like, a whole bunch of stuff to do with him and, like, made it, like, a real big thing. And then he came up to me and, like, this had to be, like... Not too long into his career, so I was like, all right, kid, you're going to give me a DDT and a neckbreaker. Uh, I'll call it out there. And he's <laughs> like, what? And I was like, yeah, I'll see you later. And then Kyle came up to him, and he's like, all right, so this is what our finish is going to be to our part of it. I'll see you out there. And Clay's like, are you guys serious right now? And I was like, dude, I was like, this guy just gave you a whole bunch of stuff, and the guy after us is planning to the moon. I was like, yeah, we'll just work with you. And... It was. I was very happy to be there with Clay, and even then, he was so good that we had to have to plan crap to get a good match out of him. You could just work with him. Clay is super easy to work with. He's one of my favorite guys to work with um, in any indie, whether it's true or wherever else we may be. Um, I always enjoyed working with Clay, even back then, uh, as he was, like, stupid young and still learning. Yeah. He was always so receptive, and he still is, to ideas and feedback, but most of the time he isn't mute because he's so fucking good. Yeah, he really is. And I'm glad that we don't have to mention any more redacted scumbags as part of this uh, part of this uh, segment. Yeah. So, Me too. 
We have one more match to get to before we take a break. It's our last time together in Hazleton. Oh. Hollywood's finest. Match 675, May 11th, 2013. You're taking on, known at that point as the Suicide Dive Squad. Yeah. Arbo and Unbreakable Andy. Was that Arbo or was that Matt Gross? Uh, Jamie Magnum, sorry. No, no, no. Or was it Jamie Magnum? I think it was Jamie Magnum. Shit. That's the match where Andy gave me a monkey flip and made me give my own partner a 450. (laughs) Okay, you know what? It is Jamie Magnum. My apologies, Uh, Magnum. I know we haven't spoken in several years, but if you hear this... I apologize for mislabeling you as Arbo. Not that that's a bad thing. Ar- Arbo's no. a good dude. No, there are way worse people to be called. Yeah. <laughs> so clearly, oh. your recollection of this is way better than mine because I thought there was a completely different person in the match. It, it's really weird how I remember things from, like, I remember that match because of the 450, and it was the first time I got to wear my new tights. So let's talk about your tights here for a minute, because are they well, they're the yellow ones? I love those ones. So different from the yellow ones, we were at True. And we're going to talk about this match later, but let's talk about the gear right now. Okay. So it's a single strap singlet, which I think is really cool and really old school looking. You kind of look like an old tiny strongman. That's. That's what the stepdads kept telling me all night. They're like, we're going to get you some weights to take out. (laughs) But I got back to the locker room after the main. And I look at my phone and my wife and my daughter had been in the crowd. And my wife is giving me running commentary by text the entire (laughs) night that I'm not seeing until the end of the night. And and she, she compared your singlet to a circus tent. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, so I just look uh, at my phone and I just see, why does Furious's gear look like a circus tent? It's the stripes. <laughs> and I just died laughing. It's like this blue, it's, it's like a white blue and there's yellow in there if I'm remembering there's, right. Yeah, blue and yellow stripes with the white stars just plastered all over it. This Saturday night now, this I hope Saturday. you wear that again <laughs> at True Wrestling. I will. Did you, Man, I'm going against Whisper. I'm going to put my belly behind a singlet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk more about that in a little bit and about some more matches that are in the book. But right now we'll take a quick break here on By the Numbers on CKCC Radio. Stay tuned. It's the most successful independent wrestling promotion of this generation. It's the place where the stars of today made their name. Now get the inside story of Ring of Honor from those that lived it with an honorable mention. Join Ring of Honor alumni Shane Hagedorn and his co-host Jeff Schwartz as they break down a classic Ring of Honor event every Tuesday and get the -the behind-the-scenes scoop and inside stories that you won't hear anywhere else. An honorable mention available every Tuesday on your favorite podcast platform. For exclusive bonus content, plus early ad-free access to every show, check out patreon.com slash an honorable pod. Greetings, folks. Do you like beer? Do you know who I am? Maybe not. My name's Kev, also known as Irish Kev. And my dear friend Rick and myself 
Actually, really, we're supposed to have a cool promo for our beer review podcast known as the Hooligans of Hops, where Rick and myself take you through a drunken journey of all of the beers that we try. On a scale of 0.25 to 5 being the best, we talk about the best and worst beers we've had on the show. In between, you hear sports banter, some wrestling, and I don't know anything that happens when we get drunk. So check out our show on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple iTunes, Buzzsprout, and anywhere you can get your podcast sources. We'll try not to get drunk next time and do something for you. But here's the promo. Thanks. I'm Jason. And I'm David. And we're the hosts of the Non-North Sports Podcast. We're the home of sports talk for everyone. Join us bi-weekly as we talk about the happenings in sports. You can find the Non-North Sports Podcast on Anchor.fm. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you find your podcasts. Hi, this is Anthony from the IWEP Network. We're a collection of weekly podcasts that vary in all different types of topics. We can be found on all social media, as well as any podcast or music app that you may use, as well as YouTube. We go live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch every Friday and Sunday. Here's a lineup of our five shows that you may be interested in. Interviews with Everyday People. Interviews and conversations on a positive note and just getting to know each other. Everyone has a story. Bangin' Beers podcast, beer reviews, hanging out with some friends, and much more. Truth behind illusion. Are you into ghosts, monsters, conspiracy theories, and more? Then this show will be for you. Tornado Tag Podcast. Pro wrestling stories, news, and show reviews. We love supporting indie wrestling, so come check us out. Not Cool in High School Podcast. A pop culture show where we cover movies, television, comic books, and video games. A weekly topic. So come hang out with us. We would love to hear from you. Follow us on all social media, and we'll see you soon. And we're back here on By the Numbers on CKCC Radio. Referee Matt Durline, Jason Furious, hanging out with you here on a Monday morning. Furious, thanks for hanging around. Thanks for having me. Of course. So we're getting to some more memorable stuff here. (laughs) And the back half of this show has some really ridiculous stories, one of which takes place at a carnival in Schuylkill Haven. So it is July 13th, 2013. We're at New. It's match 690. And you're taking on the Diamond City Kings of Brad DeMeo and Mike Vaughn, and also, at that time, the Ghostbusters, in in a three-way tag that involved a U-Haul truck. Which involved... So, I'm trying to think... Somebody went up initially. I think I went after somebody... Nope, I think Johnny just chased me up. We chased me up, and we got all the way to the edge, and I stopped. And when I turned around, he came in with the big old Hogan-like running boot. And I took the big, big back bump. I actually turned around and jumped. And I got to be honest with you, there was like a gap in between Vaughn and Brad that was really scary. So Brad totally got annihilated. And if you go back and listen to the Diamond City War Machines episode, that was um, episode one of this season, or it may have ended the previous season of By the Numbers, he talks about everyone just bailing on him. (laughs) and him like pulling Corey O'Ryan in to help him catch the dive so it wasn't just him I I only found one set of eyes on my way to the ground and that's where I went (laughs) that sucks like you know when you like it's really because I'm gonna sidebar here but Andy broke his got a huge gash on his arm because nobody caught him on a dive once and he hit the floor and he and like 
I don't know. I just like never say how much I appreciate Brad not letting me take a 15 foot header. <laughs> Whether it be on grass or not, I just the catch is always appreciated. So there's a difference between calling I'm going to dive and no one catch me and I'm going to get thrown off of a U-Haul truck and then no one's there to catch me. There's a big difference between those two things. Yeah. And I'm really, again, really glad, like, and Brad was there, and, like, Yvonne came, too. Like, he was, he wanted to catch me. <laughs> he had good intentions. Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I'm i not as busted up about it as Brad is, but that's because I didn't get busted up. So. <laughs> I'm going to Vaughn's house tomorrow, so I'm going to give him shit for it tomorrow, too. And it's been, like, a decade. I don't care. And you could be like, Furious still tries to defend shit. He's gonna be like, come on. Oh, but yeah, we needed a we needed a good way to take out four of the six people in the match, and I was. It took a really good. It's funny because Brad tried so hard to talk me out of it because he didn't want to be the only one catching me. He said it like a bunch of times, and it's. I feel I feel like he said it so many times. The universe was like, "Yep, you got it." Um, it's almost like he was trying to tell everybody. I know you're going to do this, and then everyone proved him correct. Yes. And, like, it's we're not speaking ill of Mike Vaughn or Ryan no. Venkman or... Well, no, Venkman was doing a spot with him and Kyle were going home after the uh, after the crowd got done chewing on the dive. Yeah. So, in reality, only Vaughn and Brad were there really to catch you anyway. Yeah. And again, Fawn wanted to. <laughs> you July know, 13th, live. 2013, the day of good intentions for my <laughs> That's and, funny. <laughs> and so, he does, he gets sore about it quick, too. So, going in a completely different direction. Oh, no. A much less crowded situation in general was the last time I worked for Noof. I don't know about you, but this was a day. <laughs> it was October 26, 2013. It's a Sunday afternoon. It's the day after a GSW show. It's an afternoon 21 and over show in Pottsville at, like, this old, like, rock bar. Yep, this was it for us, too. And in this match, number 736 in the book... Nate and Rick, who we talked about previously, known as the Urban Legends, yeah, match seven thirty six. This was this was a rough day. So yeah, this this is one of the days where like it feels like I'm working. Like I don't know. Normally, like when I'm wrestling, I feel like I'm I I feel like it's so cliche, but I like to be Bob Ross about my stuff. I like I like to paint a pretty picture. Uh, there, man, I had like gray and darker gray to paint with is it it was like two people in the place nobody cared about it and the people i were working with i i don't want to say it because i didn't ask permission but they were under the weather uh they were not and i talked to nate about this and he told me to address it however i wanted to but 
I know Nate in 2021, and Nate in 2021 is not Nate from 2013. So I don't want to speak ill of him, even though he told me I could tell the legitimate story. They were not in the right headspace to be wrestling that day. Yeah. And, and like, again, with the, we were talking about the oil and the fire of it before. Uh, we ended up in a lot of places at the same time where, where Nate and Crass wanted to be like, um, like just, um, like titles, for instance. Like, I hate having any conversation about titles. Like, nothing makes me more sketched out than talking about a title with a promoter or another wrestler. I don't know why. They just, it all makes me really uncomfortable. Um, and I feel like we had way too many conversations, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And that's like, and I feel like this match was like a big culmination of a lot of like, we had worked them a whole bunch of times and like neither of us were getting what we, what either of us wanted out of the matches. And it and then with the drinking and then I went outside and got high once they were drunk. There's a little shoot for you. You're welcome. So, and I remember being flipped off a chair as the highlight of the match from an arm ringer. I stood on a chair to make Nate feel good so for the test of strength, and I got arm-riggered off. So, I just remember this day, I don't get nervous very often working matches or feel uncomfortable. Um, now, uncomfortable can mean a few different things. Yeah. Like, there's a difference between nervous because you're in a situation where you really want to do well, or to nervous in a situation that you're not very experienced with. Like the one time I refed uh, with a, a necro butcher match and I was scared shitless because I had never done it before. Right. And then there's unpredictable nervous. And that's what this was. Yeah. I was, I was almost ready for it to be a shoot, but I had Kyle and like, I know we've brought him up a few times. But I feel like it's hard to understate how much of a don't fuck with me Kyle presents to people. For a frame of reference, for anyone who may not have seen Jason Furious or Kyle Nick Hammer before, Kyle is much larger than Jason is. Yeah. You know the cartoons with the big dog and the little dog where the little dog like runs his mouth and the big dog just kind of hits people? Yeah. That's we what did this that tag gimmick. team was. And sometimes we had to carry that gimmick out in real life where, you know, Kyle would just be scary behind me and I would tell people our opinions and he would, you know, have that nice looking face he does. And, and it was just... This was a really rough night. And when I talked to Nate tonight, or yesterday, I think it was, he was, again, very willing for me to just, like, Say what happened. So they got drunk and were not cooperative or safe. And part of my job as a referee is to make sure everyone's safe. But I felt like I didn't have that control in this moment. No, neither did we, to be honest. And like, I don't know. At that point, I feel like my job was more about protecting, like, so Kyle and I have this funny thing we say to each other every so often, and this is this is the meanest I'm going to try to beat anybody on the show. I'm giving you three bumps tonight, brother, and that's all you're getting. 
That's that's a quote from that night. And like we'll say that to each other sometimes just to like it's still funny to this day. And <laughs> Nate is a completely different person now. Oh gosh. And Nate is someone I've known for twenty years. I think one of his matches is like a single digit number in my book. Like I've known Nate that long. <laughs> Nate is a super competitive person like he wants to be top dog and he's not unskilled enough to not be there you know what i mean like he's good enough to be in the top spot and he he definitely likes to be there and like when you're trying to occupy the same spot wrestling is a is an alpha bark sport sometimes and see it's really interesting i've had this conversation with people before on the internet and we're gonna like go way off base here, but I'm fine with that because I feel this is a really valid point. People talk about how wrestling's not real. Wrestling's a comp- wrestling's not a competition. Yes, it is. Wrestling is both cooperative and a competition all at the same time. Yeah. And it's not only like, – and it's weird because you're being like – you have to figure out what each person's report card looks like. Like I'm going to use Sean here for a second, but Sean has a different – grading card on what he likes to see in a wrestler than what say you do when you're running a show so not only is it competitive and cooperative but i need to also if i'm trying to work some places i need to adjust for what is being wanted of me exactly um i've always described it as like a really there's nothing like professional wrestling pro wrestling is this really unique like interactive theater in the round kind of presentation that again you're working together with the same end goal in mind on on any particular night but you're also working against all these people at the same time if you are that competitive person that's trying to get your spot yeah like and and this is why I think, like, talking about belts always kind of feels icky to me again. Because, like, I feel like any time that you tie any sort of value of yourself to a championship, like, I feel like it gets, it just ramps up that alpha stuff, like, real quick. You know, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it generates friction real fast. It does, depending on where you are and your view on what you're looking to get out of the business. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, sorry, in this instance, I'm more referring directly to people that are interested in the belt, getting them over than them trying to get the belt over. Fair enough. I've known plenty of those people anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Off of that. Wow. Thanks. Now we wait three years to work together again. That sucks. Yeah. But now we're in Berwick. Now we're in true wrestling. Oh, I love true. Oh yeah, I did. I took a I took some time off. I took a year and a little change off. And this is where I start to go out less because 2014 Avery is born and I'm scaling back at that point pretty significantly. For obvious oh. reasons. Yeah. Well, that makes See, that makes a lot of sense then. Yeah. And we finally come back together. Like, three years go by, but I haven't even worked 200 matches in that time. So, 
And I know that sounds really ridiculous, like, on a wrestler standpoint. Like, what yeah. do you mean you only worked – you didn't work 200 matches in three years? Although, I don't want to do seven a night, so you can have it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've had plenty of those nights. <laughs> so we finally get back together at True. It is November 26, 2016. Uh, traditionally, True runs Thanksgiving Saturday. At the Salvation Army in Berwick. This was no different. Delta World Toy Drive. That's right. right. That's like one of my favorite things. And here you're working on Breakable Andy in the singles. Yeah. This is the one where I sang Baby Baby acapella. And Andy interrupted me because he's a jerk. Unbreakable Andy is a legend in, in, in our business. So, I know I'm calling him a jerk first thing. But that's, I feel... So people don't know that that's my most recent tagging is Andy and I as Unbreakable Fury. Although, you know, I I wait for him to come back. Uh, I have known Andy for, boy, since Backyard Days. Since we were doing the Backyard Days, I've been a mark for Andy. And um, I always say that Jason Furious hates Andy, but I personally love him because he's always there to foil me. And... Now, talk about Andy being a legend. Is, is, Andy's like, I yeah. know we talked about Nate and Rick were a tag team called the Urban Legends. Unbreakable Andy is like the urban legend of independent wrestling in the Northeast. Yeah, so many people are doing this stuff that they don't even know that they are. Not only that. So, right before he got hurt in 2019, he was supposed to, or right after he got hurt, he was booked for a show they wound up having to pull off of. Kind of a famous show you may have heard of called Joey Janela's Spring Break. Yeah. And Janela announced that Andy was coming. And just the way that the internet lit up hearing that Andy was coming to Spring Break, because you hear of Unbreakable Andy, but if you haven't seen him, then you don't really know what you're getting. And because he's so unassuming. Yeah. He looks, he just looks like a guy when he comes out. Like, he looks like a nice guy, don't get me wrong. But, and then he just, like, so first of all, I don't understand how he can be missing an ACL for the last eight years and still be better at me at every flip. (laughs) And not only me, but like 90% of the rest, 98% of the wrestling world, Andy flips better than still probably. And he probably, I don't know when the last time he flipped in a ring was, but I, I'm going to stick with the number. He he does things that I, like, find daunting, like, easily, without even, like, Arabian presses, and he's so fluid. And ridiculously strong. Like, it's crazy how that guy could just yoke you up and throw you wherever he wants. Because, again, he just looks like a guy that walked out of the coal region and put on some baggy shorts and kick pads. But then you watch him wrestle, and you're like... Holy shit, look at this yeah, guy. He's amazing. And it looks like there's, like, no effort put into it at all. I'm not sure there is. <laughs> like, he, it's so natural for him. And plus, he just loves, like, you can look him up. You can look up Andy's slip videos. He just loves going out. I don't, again, I don't know since his injury what he's been up to, but he just goes out and flips in his yard, flips all around, records them. That's his, he loves it. So what's he like to work with? As an opponent. Oh, boy, you, you got to eat your Wheaties. Like, as far as, like, a difficulty scale goes, like, Andy is, like, 
Andy is the the most hard, the hardest person to work with, but the most rewarding. Like, because it comes with it being so fluid and natural for him, I think, that, like, he he's one of those guys that always, like, expected to me to do better than I thought I could. So he would plan stuff that was always really challenging for me and, like, egg me on to do really crazy stuff. So I owe a lot to Andy. He's he's always done good stuff and been right by me. He plans, like, a lot. And there are plenty of those guys that I've known in, in my time that just make it look so easy. And, like, they're not putting any effort into anything because they don't have to. Um, I, I think back to, like, Hollow Wicked's one of those guys yeah. that he can do literally anything. Anything. Um, Orange Cassidy is another guy who I've known forever that, like, he's just... I know he does his his shtick on TV, but he's just so good. He doesn't have to put effort into anything. And Andy is one of those guys that's like, oh, you want to see a flip? Okay. (laughs) Yeah, got it. And not just that flip, but crazy. Like, I don't know. Flip seems so small for like the things, the the way that he floats. I don't know. Like he and I did shooting star presses at the same time, and like I thought mine looked pretty, but like compared to his, it's just his are gorgeous. And we'll come to that in a little bit, the double shooting stars. But there is another match we need to talk about in between. And again, we go like another two years almost without working together. Shouldn't but- be an excuse for that one. But when we come back together, it's a doozy. Because we are at Fight for a Miracle at the Danville High School for True Wrestling. It is September 8th, 2018, match 1016. And you are going one-on-one with Ultimo Dragon. So 12-year-old Jason Furious was wigging the F out all the way up to this. All the way up to this. And we get in, and I, like, the whole week, I'm, like, super nervous. I get there, I'm all pumped up. And he's, like got Sonny Ono and I go in I meet Sonny Ono and I was like oh man this is even better like we're all gonna plan this match together because his English was better than I was told it was going to be like I was told that I was SOL on talking to him beforehand so when he and I were having a conversation all right I was really stoked about that and he's like what do you want to do and I was like I think I should just like come out you like at like 100 miles an hour like you're the veteran and I need to knock you off and then you know you'll beat the crap out of me and break me in like a young rookie. And he's like, I like that part. And, <laughs> and he's like, but that first part we're going to replace with some chain. Like, I was like, okay. Oh, yeah, sure. No problem. I was like, and then, so what are we going to do with the falsies? And he's like, uh, uh, Hurricane Rana, And he's like, now, what do you want to do? And I was like, so I like to do, cause I, you know, you've been with me. I like to do the tiger mask. Uh, I love to do backflip off people's faces. I think it looks cool. Duck the line, and then I like to do a a lion salt then, or an acai off the middle and go for a quick fit. And he's like, I like that. I'll just move out of the way for your moonsault. And I was like, sweet. And he's like, what's after that? And he's like, I will just go home. (laughs) And I was like, so what else we doing? He's like, that'll be good. And then, like, Sunny Odo came up to me. He's like, so I got a spot. And I was like, well, sweet. Somebody wants to do a spot with me. <laughs> and then 
that Ultimo took me through. It, it was so weird because like I'm, I'm so happy because I I got to go out there and just work with Ultimo. Like we didn't we didn't call much, like at all. So like almost everything that happened was just by the seat of our pants, just him and I working off of each other, and that's awesome. And I love that. I but the the fanboy Jason in me is like super butthurt. I didn't get to steal some of his finishers and like have a match that made people go chew with him, you know. Um, and then I found out like I guess some of it was on my end. He felt like we didn't respect him enough, and I didn't know I guess enough of the customs to make him feel more at home. Yeah, I found that out after the fact too, and I had. Zero issues working with Ultimo, and Sonny Ono was super cool. Yeah. And, like, he was just being exactly what you'd expect Sonny Ono to be. I got a hug. He was the nicest guy. Sonny Ono was so stoked to kick me, it made me happy. He was so excited for me to not see him kick you. (laughs) And... For Ultimo to distract me for what felt like three and a half minutes while he is kicking you. <laughs> yeah. He he gave me like one and then I took like I took like a half decent bump off of it. Like I actually like, you know, made it worth something for him. And then once as soon as I did that, he came over and just started putting the boots in on me. I felt like I was distracted by Ultimo for a very long time <laughs> during during that match. And granted, it was probably only like 30 seconds, but in that moment, it felt like minutes. Forever. Yeah, that whole match felt so long to me, and it wasn't that long at all. But like... We've been was... out there for 10. Like, so I'm, I'm so, like, weird. Like, so when people start telling me, like, you're gonna do this, this, and this, like, right. it really bucks me up. Because I like to do my things, you know... I like to do my stuff. When you're calling stuff that I haven't done in a in front of a crowd in like eight years, I'm like, oh no, yeah, sure, you got it, boss, no problem. But then I'm like, I don't know, I feel awkward and sluggish. I don't know, I might just be a tiny gripe. <laughs> Either way, we got to share a ring with Ultimo Dragon. Yes, and I got a selfie, and I got a hug. And I didn't get the selfie, like the the um the Sunny Ono selfie. But I did find, in trying to find a cover art photo for this episode, a picture of Ultimo and I shaking hands after the match that I shared online tonight. And just having that moment where we got to have that experience of being in the ring with Ultimo. Oh. Uh, it was a wild day. I, Dude, yeah. My uh, brother, he texted me, and he's like, I watched your match. He's like, I want you to know. He's like, it looked like you belonged there in the ring with them. And I was like, oh, I don't know. To just, like, have somebody be like, yeah, like, you versus Ultimo Dragon totally looks like a normal thing for me. I was like, that's, again, me playing revenge. It's very common for me to say, what is this life? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, how did we get here? I, I remember seeing that guy with all 20 of his belts. Yeah, and now I'm standing in a ring with him. Like, He's it's hitting just... me. <laughs> so we shift like, gears we come back to Berwick 
back to the toy drive. It's now November 24th, 2018. I apparently have not worked a show in months because we go from match 1016 to 1024. Well, you're really putting yourself over in these last few. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I, I am really spreading myself out here and not working so hard. Um, but this is right at the height of uh, Clay becoming Clayton and Tommy Vex becoming Thomas, and they're starting the the movement. And now you're teaming with Andy as Unbreakable Fury to go against Clay and Tommy. This match was fun. This match was so fun. I, again, so we're going to, I feel like we've put, let me see, who's the uh, the list of people I say I always love to work with so far? The two Andes and Clay. And yeah. I have, and I have two of them. And now I'd like to also say that I always have a really good time working Tommy. And that guy came along so fast. Like, Tommy grew beyond his ears real quick. Um, this match was, again, is so, uh, it was so much fun. There's just so much happening, but not too much. I know what you're trying to say there. Like, you're not doing more than you need to, but you're still doing the right amount of stuff. Yeah, because it was because it was billed as a a relatively bigger match of the night. So we were we were pulling out some pretty big stuff like the double shooting star presses as a falsy. I think actually I think we ended that one with a cherry bomb, which is like my one of my favorite ones I like to do. It's just a a cannonball but a dive at the same time. And again, a big thing about these matches is that they are fun. Yeah. And we're going out there and working these matches with our friends and just having a good time. That's true. And like again, so I always love to like it's so weird because like some people they'll do the be safe and have fun and I I'm always like, All right, let's have fun because I always feel like what I'm doing is not safe. I always take care of the other people, obviously. But I, I like that joke. But uh when you're there with Andy and he's like me, we're like, our idea of fun is murdering ourselves for 15 minutes. <laughs> and like, so people are like, did you have fun? And Andy, are like, are we bleeding? Is everyone on their feet? Yeah. And Clay and Tommy can get on board with that too. So, oh man, it was intense and tight and I loved it. It's funny that you say that because... I joke that I hurt every day because I fall down for fun. And I don't even fall down that much as a referee. And I fall down a lot less these days. <laughs> <laughs> but I always, uh, and you just said it, like, it's weird to say, but it's, we're out there having fun, but it hurts. <laughs> yeah. I like to flat back. I like to miss dives on the hard floors. It sucks. But I like to do it. <laughs> I, I wish I could make more sense of it than I do, but... So we're getting into the home stretch here, and there's one match we have together at Northern Tier Wrestling. We were talking about this off the air, and you are going one-on-one in match 1030 on February 17th, 2019 with Joe O'Connor. And the story of this day is not so much the match, but just the surroundings of the day, and treacherous travel and like Sayer being in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and that was the memorial show too, yes? 
Yes, it was. It was the wrestler, Nikki Baker Memorial Show for Jeff Thomas. And, and that, like, those are always, I don't, like, I always love doing memorial shows. I'm happy that people always include me, but it always puts, like, you do the 10 bell, and then, like, I feel like we were on the earlier part of the card, and it's yeah. always weird to try to get the crowd out of, out of 10 bell and into, and into wrestling. It's very difficult. And it was a lot of family. Uh, a lot of Nikki's family and Jeff's family were there. So they were along for the ride just because of what it was. And because Jeff was a wrestler or, or is or will be again at some point. So that crowd in Sayer, my brother used to go with me. You know my brother, uh, Chuck, right? Yeah. I'm going to give my brother Chuck a shout. What up? But, uh, he comes to all my shows with me. So if you see the one-legged man with a furious t-shirt on, say hi, Chuck. Um, he goes, I love going up to Sayre because it's that crowdy, that, that rowdy northern tier crowd. Cause he and I are both from up in the mountains up there and we like our mountain folk and they get real rowdy over their wrestling, especially when there's a bar 20 feet away from where they're sitting. Oh yeah. And, like, half of the fun in that tiny VFW was... Because you can't do flips or anything. It was just that crowd was so there. Um, but, yeah. So that place was always fun to work. And then that day, you were talking about the snow squalls. Yeah, that was bad. That was real bad. I just remember down of- driving down 81. Uh, because to get to the show, I drove up 81 th- into New York. And then across on Route 17 or Interstate 86, depending on what part of the highway you're on. And what's interesting about this drive is that on 17 or 86, the road actually dips back down into Pennsylvania for a couple minutes and then back into, back into New York. It runs right along the border. And it's when you dip into Pennsylvania that you actually get off the highway and go to the show and there. Oh. And I was on 81 between Scranton and Binghamton coming home. And it just started snowing so hard. <laughs> and I thought, this is it. This is how I go out. I I had the same thought because I have to come down uh, 11 and 15. Well, at first it takes me the Appalachian Thruway. And I left the show a little bit earlier, which I caught a little bit of heat for. But then they were very nice and gracious and been like, oh, we understand after the blizzard roll through. They were like, that was probably a good call. Good on you. Um, but once I got past Williamsport heading down 11 and 15, it's like you're like in a valley. Uh, there's a place called Allenwood where the penitentiary is. And it's like a little valley there. And like I couldn't see maybe 10 feet in front of me for a good 20, 25 minutes. It was, it was pretty terrifying. And it, it's funny because, like, I saw the forecast. I was like, oh, it's probably going to be a tough drive home. And I said to myself, my brother lives in Corning, New York, not even an hour away from this venue, but in the opposite direction. So I said to my wife, I was like, hey, if it gets that bad, I'll just call Mike and see if it's cool if I go to his house and wait it out. Corning is west of the show, and I live east of the show, southeast. But still, it's safer to drive on 86 and 17 across to Corning than it is to try to drive through the endless mountains of northern Pennsylvania in a snow squall. Yeah. And I chanced it, and it turns out that 
they were out of town <laughs> and they weren't even home. Ooh. That's but, a good thing you chanced it. Yeah. Then my brother said to me, why didn't you tell me you were you had a show in town? We knew it was going to snow. I would have just left my key <laughs> under the doormat. <laughs> and, like, you could have just slept on the couch and hung out until it was safe to go home. Yeah, that wouldn't have been awkward or anything. No, nah, it's fine. That, it wouldn't be awkward at all. His neighbors would just be like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's Mike's brother. <laughs> I think. I hope so. Um, He's running an Airbnb. Yeah. Uh, suddenly, it, a, a brand new Airbnb here in Corning, New York. I'm checking <laughs> out. He's not going to like that I said that. <laughs> it's not like I gave his address. Anyway. Right. <laughs> so we get through that. And boy, do we have something completely different. With our next match, because it is War Games. Oh, man. So, we're in Bloomsburg. Fight for a Miracle 5? 4? I forget which one it is. So, I'm trying to think. Because it went redacted. The Two Cold Scorpio match. Ultimo Dragon. War Games. For me, that's mine. But I think there was one before I came in. So I think we're at five. Okay. So we're at Fight for a Miracle 5. And the culmination of a year of Nate and RC feuding. And we get to War Games on uh, August 24th, 2019. It's match 1068 in the book. And boy, was this something. Yeah. No, that was... So we have it was was Trajan champ yet? Trajan was the champion. They just took it from Sam like three two months before that. Something like that. It was no no he he won it in November. Oh okay. He won at the end of 2018. Okay, because I remember Sam was like RC's ace in the hole. Yeah, and they also. And give me a second. He's the really big cowboy who throws me really date like crazily out of the way. Bull Hightower. Yes. Shoo. Yeah, because he went ahead and monkey pressed me up and out of the ring. He military pressed me and walked me to the uh, side of the ring and then up and over straight to the floor. So they had RC, Sam, Bull, Bo Nakoda, and filling in last minute, the now current true wrestling champion, Sage Matthews. Oh, yeah. And your team was you, Trajan, Clay, Brad DeMeo, and Rhino. And Rhino, which the last time he was there, he was beating me up. That's right, because he wrestled Ben. Yes. That was a fun match. I I miss uh, managing and partnering up with Action Ortiz. Ben's a top dude. He really is. Really awesome guy. I enjoyed him. wonder what he's up to. I don't know. He's enjoying not really wrestling and building video game systems, from what I see, (laughs) on the internet. The pies? Yeah. Uh, He he does the pie thing. So this match was a lot of different personalities and styles coming together. Like, uh, as far as the way the match goes, it's, it's so hard with, like, the war games, like... Everybody comes in 
and like they're you know fresh when they come in so they hit some good stuff and then they're not so fresh and then some fresh people come out and then they do their stuff because they're fresh <laughs> it's very much like like the Sam royal Adams rumble the whole crowd it, it, it's it's a great match for like short attention span theater yeah and it's a spectacle like you know, people get bounced off the cage, like my tiny ass going up and over the top to the floor. Like, I feel like we did a good job checking the boxes that people really wanted to see from it. You know, we got the Rhinos gore in, and then Nate absolutely sent RC to the dentist. Um, what? <laughs> I don't know if he actually sent him to the dentist, but he kicked him so hard. At the end of that match. <laughs> like, he cleaned his face. Like, it was amazing. Because that was the end of their whole thing. And, like, yeah. it's so funny because RC, I, I don't know, like, RC was so good at being a heel. And I think it's, like, he wasn't trying to be. But, like, and I hate to call somebody naturally dislikable. But he he was really good at being dislikable, and like he, he wasn't allowed to get touched for so long. I think he'd even worked Nate by that point. Nate had been wanting to get his hands on him for like four months at that point. Yeah, because the story was RC was the commissioner, but Nate was going to try to come in to be the commissioner and try to get the company back from RC. Yep, and then now he's the uh, I think Nate's like the full time shareholder. Yes. It's the way the gimmick goes. But here's a quick story real quick. So Sam Adams on the other team, I'm I'm giving him the business. He goes, I'm going to try to escape. Give my tights a tug. And I was like, you got it. And so he he gets me off him. He untied his his drawstring as he was going up. And I didn't know this. Oh, boy. And I come up and I grab a handful of tights and I just give it a slight yank. And Sam Adams is full moon. On display. Like, I, I don't even think I sell it well because I didn't know it was coming. I just got his full butt right in my face. <laughs> Sam is great for stuff like that. Sam, first of all, let's give him the uh, the congratulations for having a very successful AEW outing. Yes, and when I found out who he was working... Because I had a friend in the arena in Pittsburgh that night that texted me, like, hey, look, there's Sam and um, and uh, Siler. I was like, okay, that's good for them. That's awesome. And I, I was told, they're wrestling 2.0. And that made it that much better. Because there's never an easier night than working with 2.0. Yeah, and especially the way Sam works. Like, yeah. Sam... Sam can do the uh, the quote-unquote indie style, but Sam really is, like... So, like, we talked about, like, the Andes or a Clay. Like, Sam's, like, a different breed than all the other ones because, like, you could throw Sam into a Memphis arena in the in the late 70s, and he would be just as over as he, as he is at True because, like, his character work is so on point. He keeps it really simple, which is awesome. Yeah, but not boring. And that's exactly. like, and that's a hard thing. Like I, 
I feel like I'm really picky when it comes to my wrestling because I get bored easy. And it's it's a hard line to work the the deliberate and not boring. But he makes it work really well. And when I heard he was yeah. wrestling 2.0, I was just like, that is a match I never knew I wanted to see until right now. No, and I was happy to see it. So we get through war games. You get turn heel. You start feuding with Trajan. Yeah. COVID happens. COVID. COVID is still happening, for the record. Yeah. And now, wrestling starts again. And our journey comes to an end for now, probably until this Saturday night at True Wrestling. Yeah. And it's match 11-17. Trajan has left the company. It's for the True Wrestling title, crown a new champion. You are working... This is July 31st of this year. It yeah. is you, Adina Steele, Sage Matthews, Tommy Vex, and Tim Rush. So, first things first. I, tr- I I like to think that I sold your appearance in the match as well as I could as a surprise because you didn't have a qualifying match. No. And I feel like they could have made it more clear in the build-up. Because like they had posted one thing about me being uh, me getting a buy for the uh, to get past because I was feuding Trajan, so I got a buy because I was already the number one contender. Okay. And I, so that was cool. That was nice because it was, but it really sucked waiting for everybody to get done for their matches because I'm waiting around to start playing to my stuff, but I know I don't want to start talking to somebody before they go out and do their stuff. Yeah, because they have other and, stuff to concentrate on. Mm-hmm. It was, and I hate waiting. I'm super impatient. <laughs> that's the problem with like main event anyway. Is you're already impatient, and that's usually like if you got like, I I'll like overplan sometimes if I'm main event because well I get bored. That's not you, think, never. No, never. <laughs> but I couldn't on that on that night. Um, but like that was a good one because. It was really different than the last time that they did the qualifier this way. Like, the last one was Tony Deppen, Andy, Clay, um, a redacted, and I can't think of Tim, I think was the other one. But they were like uh, a whole high spot, super indie, like, you know, let's get to a match where, as ours, like, Tommy ran away. <laughs> that was awesome. Adetta got knocked out, like, instantly. Tommy ran away. And then Sage and I, like, after we, after, after Tim got his good shining, which Tim was moving really good and had a very good showing. Um, I would like to work with him sometime soon. Um, uh, Sage and I, you know, we did the, uh, I feel Sage and I worked pretty well together as a, a heel team, but, like, we didn't, like, I didn't hit him with anything other than the move that he powdered out on when Adena came in. And that was the only time that he and I had phys- had made physical contact up until that point. So I felt like we did a good job on that. Um, and then Adena got rid of me in one false swoop. And I yes. told her that she should go clean the kitchen because the show's about to be over. And I was dumped on my head and eliminated. And I will say this. When... I'm going to feel really bad saying this, but... My daughter, Avery, and Sean's daughter, Gianna, were sitting in the front row. 
Oh, they they're, were they're good friends. Huge Adena fans. Yeah. And when when Adina got taken out, they at the beginning of the match did a thing where Sage kicked her in the face and she got carried to the back. Yeah. Avery and Gianna started to play on the iPad. They're like, oh, she's not wrestling? We're not watching. <laughs> <laughs> and they just started to ignore the match completely. And then when Adina came back, they got right back into it. And then when Sage won the title, they they actually cried. Yeah. So, and that's why I did my spot the, with her the way that I did. Because she had already been made to look like not a contender. And I was like, that, like in one move, we can make it look like no matter what, like she can win. Just give her three seconds and she's got you. I didn't give her the come up and she deserved and it, you know, it cost me. And like you said, those little girls from that second on were invested. And I love when me being eliminated is a big pop. Yes. And the crowd was right back into it then. And then, well, Tommy was out and then it was just her and Sage. Yeah. And, and it was on. And they did a good job. They yes, carried they it did. on for. The rest of the way. And here we are with Sage Matthews. And Sage will be at the Salvation Army in Berwick this coming Saturday night at True Wrestling's The True Era. I will be there wrestling. Jason Furious, you'll be wrestling The Whisper. I'll be wrestling The Whisper. You're damn right. And not only that, but there's other matches that I'm really excited for, like Matt Turner, Clay Drasher. Couple shooters. Couple shooters. I really want to see it. I have known Matt Turner just not as long as anyone I've ever known in this business. I have been, I've traveled more miles with Matt Turner than anybody that I think I know. Possibly my wife included. (laughs) And I'm so looking forward to Turner and Clay on Saturday. Yeah, I I really am too. That's, I'm glad, um, I hope that I... Again, I hope I'm not waiting all night because I'd rather I like to see some see some of these. Oh, uh, Tommy Vex and Adena. Yeah, that should be good. I want to see that. Oh. And Sam Adams and Sean Carr. Yes, the number one contender, right? Yeah, for either Clay or Turner. There we go. Just Where's Sean Carr paycheck? is so good. Have you seen Sean Carr lately? I have not seen him post uh, post. I hate saying post COVID because it's it's not post post no. comeback post lockdown. I have not seen him. I like his hair, the new look. I'm excited to see Sean Carr. I will see Sean Carr two weekends in a row because not only am I with Sean at True this coming Saturday, but then a week from this Sunday, being September 12th, I will be at Excite Wrestling at the X in Johnson City, New York, which is in the Oakdale Mall. And nice. Sean will definitely be on the card. Um, I just got to work a couple matches with Sean at the last Excite show back in August. And Sean and Kevin Bennett, when that match gets released online, track it down. It was so good. All right. I'll have to. But then Sean lost the Excite title to Bill Collier at the end of the day. Um, this Excite show, special bell time, 3 o'clock, uh, partially because it's in a mall, and malls close early on Sundays. That makes sense. It'll be my first show after turning 40. Wow. Because I turned 40 the day before that. And we talked about this off air a couple months ago 
because you attended one of these and my wife is throwing one of these for my birthday. The you went to soft. a super soft birthday party. Yes. And it was awesome. <laughs> it was great. We had like these like they were like ga- candy drinks almost. Like there was some alcohol in it for sure cuz oof. But like it just tasted like I was drinking candy. We had um we were playing cornhole. We all had the soft hats on with boas. We made friendship bracelets. <laughs> so Ashley may or may not hear this. She probably won't. I don't think she listens to the podcast. But now she's going to get the friendship bracelet idea, and that'll definitely happen. I know she's planning on having uh, pin the tail on the donkey. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine who was my manager at work, she asked me, so, like, are there going to be, like, pony rides in your backyard? I was like, my backyard's not big enough for that. Also, no. <laughs> and she goes, well, what, what would I do, like, for a gift? I'm like, well, one, I don't want anything. I don't need anything. But if you feel inclined to buy something, just buy something for Avery. <laughs> and, like, because that's what the Super Soft Birthday Party is. And for those who are not acquainted, Season 1, Episode 2 of Ladder Kenny will tell you what all of this is. Yeah, I love that show. Likewise. And they are filming Seasons 10 and 11. Glad Dad got me into it. And it only took him a year of saying, hey, Matt, can you watch this show? You need to. I had a roommate who would leave it on at night, and I would only hear the uh, schizo mu- or the skids music, and I would always bang on his door. I'm like, "Can you please turn that down? It's like three o'clock in the morning." He's like, "You just have to watch it." Like, "Oh, all right." And then you did. Yeah, and then somebody else had to listen to my skid music at three o'clock in the morning. And it's funny because I was like, "Okay, the first couple episodes, I get it. it it's funny. They're kind of hard to listen to." Um, I did not think my wife was going to like it, but she likes, like, toilet humor sometimes. And when that fart book episode came on, I was like, okay, we're going to get through this with no issue in this house. Because <laughs> that fart book episode is hilarious. It really is. Uh, they, not, as, not as funny as Canada Gooses, but it's really hard Canada to be as funny as Canada Gooses. Oh, the coach. The coach is proud. Dude, I can't. That guy... The whole hockey team is the funniest stuff, like, where they all say, like, one thing and then pass it down the line. <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> but they're all saying the same thing and then just yeah. insulting Riley and Jonesy. So I've said this on other episodes of the show, I think. My daughter is very big into the Descendants line of movies that Disney put out, where it's the children of the princesses and princess and princes and uh villains and they are the descendants of all these people and they have um like a kingdom that they have like a boarding school for all of the royals and like all the villains have been banished to the island of the lost and riley from letterkenny is in the second and third descendants movies really? he is he is the son of gaston that makes a lot of sense he is Gil. His name is Gil. Or as my sister will jokingly call him, Gilston. <laughs> he he also did the Mighty Ducks uh, movie they did on Disney Plus too, right? I have not seen that one. Yeah, they just made a new Mighty Ducks uh, movie, and I believe he plays the uh, the bad coach, the heel coach. <laughs> I could see that. I mean, he's got a lot of inspiration from Coach from Letterkenny. Well, the, apparently the Ducks lose their way, and... 
he's like the coach of the Ducks that are now like all about money and not the sport. <laughs> but it, it's also really cool to see them actually playing hockey. In, yeah. In Letterkenny. Like, they're legitimately playing. It's not just, like, randos that throw on skates. Like, they're actually playing. And, you know, they're doing a Shorzy uh, show. Really? Yeah. That's funny that he's the one they would pick out of it. Like, not that he's a bad pick. Just funny that yeah. he was the pick. Yeah, it's it's Shorzy. Um, so, anyway. All I that probably would have went with Dan. Oh, Squirrely Dan show would be fantastic. Yeah. Oh, man. Right? Especially so, with that girl that likes to put fingers up his bums and what's not. <laughs> we, we will joke about <laughs> sushis and sashimis with, with the whole, I don't think you need to put an S at the end of those words to make some plurals. <laughs> anyway, two weeks from today here on By the Numbers, Tony Deppin joins the show. Nice. Yeah, I was talking to him earlier today. He likes the concept of the show, and he wants to come on and hang out. So that's good shit. Do you awesome. have Do you have the match with uh, him and uh, Andy at the fight for a miracle? I did. Yeah, that's good. That makes me happy. That more was people, more people should a, talk about that. That was a great match, and we'll talk about that amongst many other matches as we go from. Uh, small town wrestling Tony Deppin to much bigger time wrestling Tony Deppin. <laughs> right, he was in that he was in that theater with us, the JJ Ferrera. That was the first match. Yes, it was. That, was. that was my first match with him as well, and we'll talk about that from his perspective in two weeks. Next week on the A Show, which is the other podcast that I run here on CKCC Radio with Chris Decker, Ed from the podcast Pod Van Dam will be joining us. Ed, who recently was on Between the Sheets with David Bixenspan, uh, talking about Dude Love's debut in WWF. We are going to be drafting from 1997 uh, WCW, or sorry, WWF, 1997 WWF. If you haven't heard the show, we do a draft, and then we build a show based on the rosters that we drafted. Oh, that sounds awesome. Also, I miss Decker. Well, he lives pretty far away now. Yeah, that's why I miss him. <laughs> um, but he will be, of course, he's part of the A-Show. That's not going to change, even though he's a Southerner now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's all part of uh, the wide variety of shows you get here on CKCC Radio. Uh, Decker has his own podcast now, which is a stream of consciousness podcast, which is called said talks that sounds awesome um it's it's exactly what you'd expect <laughs> because it's chris decker just stream of consciousness so it's exactly what you're thinking that sounds um, pretty cool so go to com. you can hear many of the shows uh coming up soon on the a show there's been a bit of a battle and if you listen to the shows that are on the soon-to-be-named network, which um, is where you hear shows like Longbox Heroes with Joe Sposto and Adam Van. I'm sorry, Longbox Heroes is with uh, Joe Sposto and, and Todd. Add-Odds with Wrestling is with Joe Sposto and Adam Van. And Adam made it to the Season 1 Tournament of Champions on the A-Show by defeating Tim Taylor 
from the from the podcast Final Wrestling Place, and Adam's been talking a lot of shit. <laughs> so at some point this season, we're gonna run it back on the A Show. Also, uh, Brett from We Need Wrestling, which used to be the Wednesday Night War podcast that NXT moved, so there's not a war anymore. Um, and they're going to do WCW 2000. Ooh. Yeah. See, that's interesting, because you have guys like AJ Styles tucked away in there. Yeah. Um, but Tim's coming uh, for his... Um, I don't want to call it a receipt. <laughs> but... Lots of words have been spoken between Adam and Tim on their podcast, and Decker and I are just going to sit back and moderate it and watch as Brett probably wins the whole thing anyway. <laughs> you can also hear Irish Kevin Rick with the Hooligans of Pops. You can hear all the other podcasts we talked about or that were mentioned on the commercial breaks, none other sports podcasts with Jason and David. Kevin Graham and Jason Axe have the Brain Wreck podcast. You can hear all the shows on the IWEP network. You heard about those earlier. Lots of podcasts to listen to. Besides True Wrestling, is there any place else we can see you coming up? Yep, I'll be in Williamsport, Pennsylvania for NTW Liberty. At the, uh, um, give me a second. It's the Fire Tree Place, sorry. Not the Liberty Arena. We're not there this time. We're at the Fire Tree Place, September 25th. It's a Rope to Rope Entertainment production. So it's like Apex and NTW together and Slobberknocker. So it's a good time. Check out details on that on social media. Do you have social Thank media? You. I do. Uh, Thank Jason you very Furious? much for reminding me. Yeah, actually, I do. You can follow me on Twitter, at Jason Furious. I'm also on uh, Facebook, which is, again, just Jason Furious. And then I'm also on Twitch, at Falcon Murphy. There you go. What do you do on Twitch? I play really random games, like Tonight we're going to be hunting ghosts on Phasmophobia. They just had a big update and now like it's harder to collect the evidence. And it's a it's a game where you gotta like collect evidence by ticking off the ghosts a little bit. But if you make them too mad, they come and kill you. And for those of you listening, that was now three days ago when we're recording this, so you missed it. Oh, <laughs> good stuff. Because this won't air till Monday morning. Oh. So. I'll do something then, too. That's why I keep saying this Saturday night, because when this airs, True will be this Saturday night. That makes a lot of sense. I was just, I didn't feel like correcting you. No, I mean, (laughs) that's how it's going to be in real time when people listen. So I meant to tell you that off the air, but I just didn't. (laughs) So you can check out all sorts of podcasts. Check out Jason Furious Wrestling. Furious, thank you for joining me here this week on By the Numbers. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Anytime, and I will see you Saturday night. Uh, I'll probably ref your match. Heck yeah, you better. <laughs> I like working with you, and I like working with Whisper. Also, yeah. you know, speaking of the Whisper, turnbuckle yo-yos. Dude, he was showing off his yo-yo after the last show at uh, Sheets, and I, I don't know if it was him or the yo-yo itself, but it was impressive. So he has started his own yo-yo company. Yeah, that was what he was. Sorry, I should have elaborated. He was using one of his own yo-yos when he was showing me. So and the, sorry, go ahead. No, they're solid. They look really good and sturdy. Like, it looked like a yo-yo that you're not going to break right away, which was my problem that I always had with yo-yos. And he was doing all sorts of tricks with them that I could never even start to do on regular yo-yos. 
he is very, very experienced with, with the yo-yo tricks. Like, he'll post videos on Instagram of him doing stuff. I'm just like, how did he do that? Yeah. It's wild. Um, hopefully he doesn't, uh, yeah, from your perspective, do any tricks on you <laughs> on Saturday. But I, here's the thing. It's Whisper. I know he's going to do tricks. I just have to outlast his tricks. Well, we'll see how that goes this Saturday night at True. Jason Furious, thank you for joining the show. Thank you. Until next week my, uh, um, on the A-Show, my name is Matt. This has been By the Numbers. I will see you. We are.